Well, kia Stephen Mo Toku Ingwa. Hi, everybody. It's Stephen Mo here, and uh, we're getting a bunch of people joining as I'm talking. So, welcome, everybody. And we've been getting some weather forecasts through the chat. Um, so, that's been really cool to see, really across the entire country from the South Island right up to the far north. So, welcome, everybody. Um, these impact calls, um, I call them impact calls, but I actually view them as a little a, a connection point across people doing good stuff in New Zealand. So that's the official title. <laughs> um, I think there's a lot of good things going on. And sometimes we end up in silos, which mean that we talk with people who are doing similar things to us. And, you know, as a lawyer, I end up talking with other lawyers, accountants might end up talking with other accountants, a fundraiser for a charity might end up talking with other charities just within their little bubble. Um, these calls have been going since the first lockdown. The intention is that we can learn from each other and that we can hear about a different part of the impact sector that maybe we don't know as much about. Um, so we're fortunate to have two guests with us today. Um, we've got Vic and Rose. So thank you both for joining. Um, and we're going to get into one of them sharing about the work that they're doing. And hopefully, I know that what they're going to share probably isn't what you do, but I think we can learn from each other. We can get encouraged that other people are out there doing some good stuff in New Zealand. And um, that's really the purpose is that, yeah, we can ground what we're doing by reference to other people. So with that introduction done, um, I would like to hand over to, um, I think, to Vic. Is that okay if you um, share with us a bit? Now, we've known each other a couple of years, I think even back to EHF and different connection points there. Um, but I'm really interested in and would love to find out more about what you're doing with Community Housing Aotearoa. So I'm just going to hand over to you and thank you for joining. Uh, kia ora, Stephen, and kia ora koutou. Thank you for having me. I have been um, an attendant, I think, at the last call two months ago, which was my first time joining you. So it's a real pleasure to be here talking about our work at Community Housing Aotearoa, Ngā Whareiro or Aotearoa today. Um, so I'm the Chief Executive at CHAR, as we affectionately call ourselves, and um, our Deputy CEO, Chris Glodell, is also on the call. So hi, Chris. Um, <laughs> I'm probably more known to a lot of you. So we are a peak body for the community housing sector in Aotearoa, and we say ah intentionally, not that, because we work really closely uh, with Tamatapihi, which is the National Māori Housing Advocate, uh, and particularly on a specific contract, which is um, not very well named, but describes what we do, um, homeless sector support services. Uh, we work in specific collaboration with Tamatapihi on, and we also have, um, you know, a, a membership base uh, and, and a contract for supporting uh, community housing providers as well. Uh, so, I think one of the most useful things that I can do, if it's okay briefly, um, is to kick off just by giving you a sense of where our sector sits in the housing system and what we deliver. And then from there, I can let you know a little bit about what we're seeing out in the community and particularly given the long tail of the impact of COVID. Um, I think, Stephen, I should just be able to, oh, I might not be able to. Am I able to well, be able to? I will, I will make you a co-host. I'll Thank do that you, right Scotty. now. I know Rose was well organized in advance and asked you to do that. Um, <laughs> no 
wait, while we wait for that. So what the slide I'm about to show is just one slide, um, a real snapshot. And I just want to acknowledge the person who developed it. So we work closely uh, with Building Better Homes, Towns and Cities, which is a national science challenge. And uh, this slide that I'm about to show you uh, was developed by Kay Savile-Smith, who, um, who developed it under the auspices of uh, building better homes, towns and cities. Uh, she does many things and wears many hats, but this was um, for that. So if you can all see this snapshot here, I think this is the clearest snapshot I've seen that describes uh, the different segments of our housing system. So uh, there's also language um, out there that you may have heard as well around a, in a continuum, particularly an affordability continuum in terms of housing. We, we um, wrestle with that back and forth because I think there's uh, inherent in the idea of a continuum, the idea that, um, you know, renting is bad and home ownership is something we should all aspire to regardless. There's, it's also a pretty Eurocentric way of seeing the world. It's a very Pākehā model. Um, so we, we do use it as a shorthand, but I think this idea of segments that Kay has developed is actually um, possibly a, you know, one step forward or, or a better way of expressing the concept. So here you've got um, social housing, affordable housing and market housing and the goals being um, slightly different. I think those who work in market housing would also um, often see themselves as being a part of a community and community building. But I think specifically in social housing and also affordable housing, there is a very um, intentional well-being lens as well. Um, the financial characteristics um, are part of what I can talk about today. But effectively, um, so a lot of the social and affordable housing in Aotearoa is, um, is subsidised. Um, whether that be through operational expenditure or capital expenditure. Um, and there's also, um, you know, many different ways of getting together your finance stack that you need to make a development work. Um, the users or the, the people that are in the homes um, in social and affordable housing are usually those on lower and middle incomes. And at the moment, um, and I'll talk to this as well, there is uh, there is severe housing stress in, in both of these segments. And that's a specific um, aspect that the community housing sector uh, addresses. And in terms of the services, um, a lot of the services in social housing um, are um, wraparounds include wraparound support and they'll often be very specific to the needs of a community so where Stephen is in Ōtotahi um, there's a there's a really great uh, community housing provider um, called Comcare that works specifically um, with single men requiring support particularly those uh, who are transitioning out of mental health facilities or need support with addiction services for example uh, and in terms of um, the tenure, social and affordable housing um, tenures in New Zealand are um, often, uh, well, in social housing, um, in transitional housing in particular, they're meant to be limited intermediate tenures. Uh, unfortunately, that is not the case at the moment. Transitional housing should be uh, in our best world around three months to, to support people to get up on their feet and into a longer term opportunity for housing. But at the moment, it's up to three years. Um, certainly in the affordable housing space, um, 100 year leases are becoming more and more common in iwi and Māori housing and, and minimum lease periods of 25 years um, in, in, um, amongst our chips. Home ownership in the form of progressive home ownership is also a tenure um, that exists in that affordable housing space. 
So I just wanted to give you that snapshot because that's quite a good and you know kind of overlay of the system. And then I can talk to you a little bit about um, where our sector sits. So um, we straddle both social and affordable housing. Our membership base is made up primarily of the registered community housing providers, of which there are about 70 in New Zealand. And um, when I say registered, that means that they've signed up and um, they're on the books with the Community Housing Regulatory Authority, and that authority has oversight over their activities for as long as they're a registered provider, and they're able to access the income-related rent subsidy, which is an operational supplement that allows them to, as I say, build that stack that they need um, to, to, make, <laughs> um, to make developments and support services work. That previously was only available to Kainga Order or Housing New Zealand as it was at the time, but was made available to the community housing sector in 2016. Correct me if I'm wrong there, Chris. I think that was the final year of the previous national government when the IWRS um, was available to CHIPS. 2014. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, look, I think, and so we, our members will operate. Um, I think classically people imagine the chip sector is operating in the um, in the affordable rental space. I think when people think of community housing providers, um, if you've had any kind of insight into the, system, the housing system, you'll think of that. And then more latterly, um, people think about uh, community housing providers probably in the transitional housing space because that's where the media lens has been and that is unfortunately um, where the growth has been in terms of the growth uh, and need and the growth and response. So that has been an increasing number of, of our members offer transitional housing and the wraparound support services that go with that. Uh, as a peak body, um, it, you know, we're pretty clear that transitional housing can only ever be a stopgap solution. And frankly, on a personal level, it absolutely breaks my heart. Um, we really, you know, have the privilege and um, the difficulty of hearing a lot of the stories of people who are uh, stuck in transitional housing and um, their kids are shifting schools constantly and it's a really rootless uh, and insecure way of being in the world and COVID has only made it worse. Uh, so for us, we're really, really focused on how we gear up the funding and finance settings to support um, you know, an increase in the permanent housing that's available. Uh, we were just talking as a team this morning that um, there's a bit of a narrative forming that supply is catching up with demand and we're going to have enough houses soon. Um, but that always is just about sheer numbers. We do not have affordable homes. We do not have healthy homes. And we certainly don't have the numbers and types of homes that cater to uh, the types of families and needs that we have. In particular, um, we've got a really, really big um, missing bit around uh, how we explicitly enable um uh, the housing aspirations of our Pacific communities. Uh, there's a lot of one and two bedroom houses going up, um, but there are very few that are catering to the concept of whānau and larger families. And that's a really glaring gap in our housing system. So a big focus for us, um, certainly coming into an election as well. So I think that's probably enough talking from me. I think that's a good oversight, but there's a lot there's a lot going on and I think maybe if I'm guided by the interest and questions that you have I can answer most things really that's awesome thank you so much and maybe um, if people have a question you can put it in the chat 
Um, or if you want to come off of the, um, you know, if you want to verbally do it, that's fine too. Um, Vic, I, I think, you know, I'm involved in this sector a little bit through something called community finance. And so what we're doing there is trying to tap into philanthropic funding to then, um, support the chips. So we've raised about $93 million in the last two years to be able to do that. Um, I'm just curious, uh, uh, apart from that obvious example, which is very self-serving to mention it, <laughs> but are you seeing an, any other um, green shoots or innovation or, you know, because it is, it's it's a massive problem. And yeah. n we all know that, you know, 28,000 people on the list, it's just, it's just inherently unjust. So any other things that you're seeing or or even overseas that you think maybe it could be tried here? It's a really great question. And yeah, that 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 housing registers quadrupled since 2017. So the numbers on their own are big. And then when you think about that kind of um quadrupling, I think that's always what gets me. I yes, community finance absolutely um is an exciting um entry into impact investment specifically dedicated to housing. And as Stephen pointed out, he and I met through the Edmund Hillary Fellowship and Impact Investment um and social enterprise has been something I've been involved in for many years in Queenstown uh, in particular. I um I think yes there are green shoots and there are excellent um you know individual impact investors and and vehicles like community finance that know that they're that they have the type of capital that could support some great solutions at scale but I genuinely do believe that we don't have the funding settings right to enable that finance aspect to flourish um it's uh it's we have a problem of scale. I think Aotearoa, you know, we, we see this, we're seeing this in lots of different areas. Um, councils can't get enough rates <laughs> to kind of facilitate um, the years of underinvestment and sewage pipes. Um, we don't have a taxpayer base that necessarily facilitates the massive investments we need across a range of things. So we can't do these big crunchy problems just with public funding, but the public funding does unlock um, some of the opportunities around um, around particularly impact investment. Uh, and at the moment, um, those funding settings just aren't stacking up necessarily for the impact investment. So I see green shoots, but we just we need a water and and you know ethically fertilize them. <laughs> and I do think that we need to change the funding settings to enable that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Yeah, I agree with you. It's it's almost like a paradigm shift of thinking from, and unfortunately, I think in Aotearoa, New Zealand, there is a mindset of the that a house is an investment, you know, like it's an asset to be owned rather than a home to live in, um, and, and that's why you know the rental properties and and different things. There's a lot. It's a whole. Um, PhD thesis, I'm sure, into how we've gotten to this point in terms of the culture. Yeah, well, I was just going to say building better homes, towns and cities. If people are interested, I should put a link in perhaps because they actually have a whole bunch of papers on the financialization and the media narratives and all of the things. They're quite good entry points if people are interested in talking about PhD theses. <laughs> Some <laughs> of them are that. Um, but but look, Stephen Chris just put in there too to point out, yes, in terms of the funding, Progressive home ownership. We've just written a piece on it again, self self promotion, just to 
following from you there, um, a newsroom about the Progressive Home Ownership Fund, and, and that is a good one to point out. We re- There are some good things that have happened, and, um, you know, we, we've advocated for years, Chris has led a campaign for the last four years that um, is all about locking in that funding around progressive home ownership and building that up as a as a product that's available um, in the market. And um and that's that is probably a really good strong green shoot to point to. And the step change in funding directly into Iwi and, and um Ropu Māori that are um facilitating um Kopapa Māori housing outcomes is is really exciting too. And I think um Again, a shout out to Tamatspehi who have been really courageous and, uh, you know, indefatigable in leading that charge. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, the point of these calls is to get a quick download from a sector specific leader. So thank you, Vic, for sharing about that. Because I think, you know, 20 minutes ago, people probably joined, maybe you didn't know much about this, but now hopefully they've got a real download they can go into conversations, and they can also understand a bit more about what you do. And in the chat, I've put the link to your site as well. So make sure you check that out. And um, yeah, you never know. The, the The beauty of these calls is that sometimes there's somebody on here who I look at the name and I don't know who they are, but it leads to some collaboration that I never would have envisioned. So <laughs> it might be that one of you now is thinking, oh, there's a there's a synergy here. So um, feel free. I'm sure you're open to emails, right, Vic? And and happy to have conversations across the country. So that's awesome. Now, the other thing I love about this these calls is that we get to hear a variety of perspectives. So moving from community housing, um, Rose, I'm just going to hand over to you. We'd love to hear about your initiative and what you're doing. I think you've got a new website. Um, yeah, what is it? all about I, I do know more than I'm making it sound like because I helped you set it up but <laughs> let's um, hear from you what's going on at the Terra Nova Foundation yeah kia ora everyone I'm Rose and I have a slightly funky accent because uh, I have spent 20 years overseas in Europe and uh, just returned three years ago and I was doing a whole range of work overseas and uh, much of that was around impact uh, and social and environmental change. I I worked across uh, government, business, not-for-profits, a whole range of areas and uh, when I came back to New Zealand I was really keen to um, support the, the work of everybody um, that everyone's doing here and to uh, really talk about impact in a big way where possible. And then my other hat, as um, Stevens just mentioned, is the is the environment and setting up a uh, environmental foundation. And so I'll flick to the to the site uh, to my screen. Oh, that's not working either. Oh, we're having a day. We're having a day. Um, Rose, do you want me to share what I was going to share? And that will give you a minute just to see yeah, if you can you get it fixed up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a... fine. It's no problem at all. And um, also, if you want, if you just emailed it to me, I could then open it on my screen and then I could share it maybe. Um, okay. Just, just yeah, brainstorming the solutions. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. Really sorry about that. Thinking on the fly. No. Well, I wanted to share it. This, this will just take a minute anyway, um, which is that I've started this new podcast. Um, so I do seeds. Um, I think most of you probably know seeds, hopefully. 
Um, and that now has 319 interviews with inspiring people about their life stories and what they do and why they do it. And I see Nicola Nations on this call. So she, her life story is there talking about Akina Foundation and, and the great work that they're doing. And so anyway, it, that's been a really a labor of love for five years, every week putting out a new episode. Um, but I attended a course with the Institute of Directors and th that was in May and it was called the Advanced Directors Course. So it's a new course that they haven't offered before. And there was 25 people in the room and looking around, um, I could just see the, the quality of governance experience, you know, in the room. And the opening question got me thinking. And that question was, um, if you were writing a book about governance, what would the title be? And so I just put in the chat a link to this. Um, we went around the room and there were these amazing titles and they were hugely varied. Um, but there was consistent themes that were running through them all. And so I thought, what a great potential, you know, topic, opening question in a podcast. Um, so pitched that to the IOD. And then, you know, a month later had recorded 13 episodes with um, some of the participants, ranging from people who are, you know, professional directors. So they're sitting on five or six boards. That's all that they do. Some of them on NZX listed, ASX listed boards, other people, um, one of them's a director of Air New Zealand, you know, kind of a real variety. Some are not-for-profit or for-purpose sector boards. And asking this question, what would the title of the book on governance be if you were the author? And then the uh, I also ask, um, as a follow-up, has that title changed during the course? What are the trends you're seeing in governance? And what's a challenge you can leave with the listeners? So they're just short 10 to 15 minute conversations and extremely varied. Um, if you look right now, there's about seven episodes uploaded, I think, in Spotify and Apple Podcasts, but there will be another about six or so. Um, and it's a hopefully a very diverse range of people that I've spoken to. So there's seven women, six men, there's Maori, Pacifica, there's lots of different perspectives. Um, it's deliberately not your typical imagination of what a board member is, you know, 40 something white male, <laughs> it's deliberately getting a wide diversity of ranges and perspectives. So it's a really simple thing, which is um, it's free. It's out there. Um, if you're interested in governance and, you know, leadership, the future trends, those sorts of things, um, then I'd encourage you to check it out because it's, um, yeah, I, I think it's a it's a great resource. In the first week, I think it had 1,300 listens that they told me. Um, it's always interesting collaborating. So it's working with the IOD. So they're kind of pushing it out. Um, but if you're not familiar with the IOD, it's a nice way to get to know a bit more about what they do as well. Um, they've got about 10,000 members across the country and um, do a lot in governance. So yeah, the link is there. It's in all podcasting apps. Check it out. Um, that would be cool. And Rose, um, I'll hand back over to you. But just before I do that, I wanted to show this as well. So this is a guide to incorporated societies or a guide for incorporated societies. Um, and we just put that out uh, at the end of last week. So you probably know if you're involved in incorporated societies, that there's 24,000 of them across the country. Every single one will need to re-register 
and every single one will need to revise their rules. So we've done this guide and we also have a site which has a whole bunch of articles, videos, uh, 55 long FAQ, you know, lots of questions about incorporated societies. So that's another um, resource to draw to your attention. Now I'm going to hand back to you, Rose. <laughs> how are you, how, how's your confidence level? <laughs> I've, had to, I've had to send it through to you. So hopefully you've got it in your inbox okay. now. Cool. Um, but what I'll do is this, I'll just switch around the, I'll talk about uh, Turner the first. So um, uh, just to go to remind us. So I came back from York uh, uh, three years ago and uh, I was um, very involved in social environmental issues overseas. And when I came back, um, I was quite uh, concerned about the environmental um, state of New Zealand and uh, particularly the when I came back, um, there seemed to be quite a, a lack of awareness of things like uh, um, the uh, rapid decrease of endangered species and, um, and decline of a lot of our ecosystems. Now, this is three years ago. A lot has happened since then. Uh, and uh, there's a lot more awareness. And I'm really warmed by the fact that people are coming down really uh, on top of uh, where we're at. Um, but we set up the Terra Nova Foundation um, last year to to address some of the um, let's say that elephants that I was uh, in the room uh, quite uh, regularly, and um, and so we set up the foundation to address uh, three things. One is the um, how uh, individuals and businesses even uh, look at the the issue of climate change and uh, the rapid degradation of our ecosystems and so forth. Um, because a lot of, uh, uh, and of course, completely understandably, a lot of people react and they want to do something. But of course, as um, everybody on this call knows, the impact of uh, reactionary action isn't always helpful. Um, it can be end up being really nice to do as opposed to uh, really maximizing the impact that we need. And um, we are uh, in a position now where we need really significant change really, really quickly. Um, and I keep saying this and everyone keeps nodding their head. <laughs> uh, but actually, we need to get on with a lot of big change now. And uh, so the foundation wants to help, you know, uh, kick that along a little bit. And so we've just, as uh, Stephen mentioned, we've just launched um, a new website, which uh, is uh, set out to support individuals and businesses and those who want to give to be uh, aligned with the planet is what we're saying. But one of the key messages that we're trying to get out there is uh, reducing consumption and reconnecting um, because the way to make an impact is to uh, to get to the root cause. So if we purely look at things like carbon, we're not going to get there um, because the environment's all right without us. <laughs> it's the it's the human bit on this planet that's the problem. It's our behaviour. So we're trying to actually encourage people to to look at the way that we behave, both as an individual and our families and and our communities, and also uh, as a 
uh, how our businesses reflect us. So looking at business as a collection of people um, rather than a separate entity that can kind of be um, separated. Um, and we're looking at uh, really trying to have um, quite profound conversations about uh, how we interact. And that's the reconnect that actually saying um, we uh, and this is a, a lot of the wealth and value of uh, New Zealand has with Te Ao Māori, com especially compared to other countries, that the understanding of a much bigger, uh, uh, let's say, universe <laughs> uh, of which this planet sits in and looking at it ourselves as connected to the planet that we're on in a very profound way and how do we actually encourage that and encourage action to come from that as opposed to from our existing um, really quite largely exploitive way. So, so that's the the site is to help people do that. So, and we've we've only just gone live with it. So I thought this was a really great forum to actually ask people to have a look and feedback. <laughs> um, constructive criticism, please. <laughs> Uh, I'm always very nervous, uh, but it's been a it's been quite a mission to get up, uh, and uh, there's a lot to come. But I really love to have people's first impressions of it. That would be wonderful. Great, um, great. Do you want me to share the slides now, or? Yeah, do you mind? It, yeah, yeah. no, that's fine. I want to say that I offer a full service here. So what you sent me was a <laughs> Mac file, so I had to quickly convert it into a PowerPoint file. But it oh, seems to be working. You. It seems to be working. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a second. So that's the the front of our, our website. So please, I would really welcome, especially uh, I really appreciate people on this call actually being able to feedback from an impact point of view. Uh, do you think it's getting to the heart of the message for to address root uh, cause environmental issues? Um, we're definitely doing our best. Um, if you go to the next slide, the other thing that we've got um, coming up, which again, I thought people on this particular call might be interested in, is a uh, a week. Um, uh, it's the 19th to the 24th of September in Ōtotahi to, um, to celebrate the uh, spring equinox. So spring equinox is on the 23rd um, by having an exhibition uh, last year. Um, some of you may be in receipt of a calendar that uh, the Terranova Foundation did um, where we had um, uh, 12 photographers who donated uh, uh, award-winning photographs to us, which we are incredibly grateful for. Um, so we were supposed to have it <laughs> at the end of the summer, but uh, Christchurch at that same time got hit by massive COVID outbreak. So we postponed it to the equinox. And uh, so that's coming up. Um, and then to, to really, um, because we don't ever want to just be doing anything for the sake of it. So the exhibition is to really um, generate interest and to show the incredible beauty of uh, Aotearoa by these photographers. Um, but we've also got a speaker series during the week and uh, we haven't actually um, uh, advertised that much yet. So this is the first call, but each day has a, from Monday through to the Saturday has a theme um, for environmental action. And 
it's from four to six every day in the uh, Pumanawa Art uh, Gallery at the Art Centre in Ōtatahi, but we will also be online. Um, so please look at the details of that. We've got an incredible lineup of speakers, um, just amazing, so we, which I'll share via LinkedIn and various places. Um, yeah, if you go pop to the last slide, the number six, that's great. Um, so uh, that's just reiterating what I've said. The, what we, to uh, really maximise that impact, we uh, uh, also, uh, as part of that week, uh, generating task forces around some of these issues, um, which leads to the to the other part of um, Terranova Foundation, which is large scale change. And uh, in Greater Otatahi, we've been doing a lot of work across agencies, businesses, um, uh, various uh, parts of government, and uh, and the community to, to actually bring together a large-scale transformation for the environment in this region. So if you're um, if you are in the city or interested in large-scale uh, large change for environment, I'd love to hear from you. Um, and uh, so these task forces sit in alignment with that greater um that, that greater picture and that uh, wider action that's happening. Um, again, it's a real emphasis, emphasis on act and doing things really strategically and effectively in a big way by joining up all the work that's already happening and leveraging the, the impact of that and really making it seen. Um, could you just, I'll spend a really short time <laughs> On the first, uh, yeah, two and three. So um, this is where I was going to start. <laughs> uh, over the last 20 years, I've developed an impact framework, which um, I'm now sharing. I've been uh, supported, I've been a fellow of the Next Foundation, and uh, part of that work was uh, developing a shareable um, uh impact framework that people could use and uh this is, you can see it in front of you this uh it's very much to um, move organizations who want to see change either social or environmental to move to a much more um change-led process and uh because what i was finding was that organizations who uh often look at measuring impact after the event, if you like. And actually measuring your impact needs to come right up front. You need to know what you're going to, what you want to achieve before you can measure it down the track. And what I was finding is that a lot of organizations would have a vision, a mission, which they didn't really believe would ever happen or were really committed to and then they would jump to a strategy to implement and so there was a really short cycle of oh have we achieved our strategy without asking actually have the needs changed because needs are incredibly dynamic and what was it that we were really trying to achieve uh, in the short medium and long term so this uh, model is really to um, to help people to not just look at how they're measuring their impact, but actually what is it they're trying to uh, achieve in the first place 
and to help organizations embed some of those measures from the outset so that it's not so expensive at the end to, to be writing reports. Um, because I'm sure most people <laughs> in the school all know it's uh, it's very resource intensive to try and work out what you've done at the end. Whereas if you're collating and uh, and you've integrated the measures and indicators throughout your work right from the outset, it's a lot more efficient and uh, and and that way you're getting loops all the time about oh we're making progress or we're not, or we're not making progress. The other thing with this model is. It really encourages, um, let's say failure. <laughs> it really encourages organizations to do whatever they can to get to their intended impact. Uh, whereas a lot of the time people feel like they have to always be achieving and, and claiming a big impact for their organization. This actually encourages you to, to do the opposite, to actually really be critical about what it is you want to do and just try and try again until you get it right and learn and have a very strong feedback. Did the action work? Yes, no. Right, let's let's move into something else. And it also really frees up your organizational structure, for instance, programs and projects that may have been embedded for a really long time. Uh, you start to look at those differently and go, actually, are they doing what we need it to do? So that's a really, really... <laughs> very quick overview of a quite a complex model but just to say that uh we are running um workshops for environmental groups uh over the next little while yeah the next slide thanks steve steven and the next the first the next one up is it on the 8th of september if you know of an environmental group and also um we have got a cost to it but we are making it uh free for organizations with limited funds so um if you know of environmental group organization that would benefit from um, being supported and uh, putting in place an impact framework and with measuring the impact that they're already making, do, do pass this on to them. And I'd really appreciate it if you did. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Great, thank you. That's awesome. Well, it's just good to hear um, what's going on out there, isn't it? And hear from different initiatives. Um, I'm not sure. Have you put the link in the chat yet, um, Rose? Maybe you can drop that in, and that way people can click through and and find um, find it and give you feedback, like you say. Um, yeah, it's really great. Thank you so much. Thank you to you and to Vic for sharing. Um, what we're going to do next, um, great, there's the link for people if you want to click, and I'm sure that um, Rose will welcome the yeah i always like to say that too the constructive feedback right <laughs> so thank you for that um what we're going to do now and i like this part as i call just as we're getting towards the end i know some of you have to drop off and go to other things but i like to send us into breakout rooms of about three or four people as a way so that this isn't just a passive watching a screen thing um, but it's actually a chance to connect with a real live person um, so for some of you, this is your first time joining. So this is what we're going to do next is that we're just going to, um, I'll send you into rooms. You can have a chat with whoever's there and it's very brief. We're just going to be for like 10 minutes. Um, and then, um, we'll come back and say a goodbye. So if you're interested in that, stay on, if you've, you know, have other things to move on to, that's fine. Go ahead and drop off now, but great to have seen you all here. 
Thanks everybody for joining. And I'll put this as an episode of Seeds. So feel free, if it was a value, share it. Um, Seeds and all these things, it's only effective if people like you help out by sharing it, telling other people. Um, there are 730 people who get the emails now. So that's quite a, a few people. So if you have things you know are coming up, feel free to send me links and I'm happy to share them with the rest of the community. So thanks everybody. Great to see you. Have a wonderful weekend. Bye. Thanks, Stephen. Bye.